1: Friends and neighbors, it's the Bill Press Pod, and you're welcome back. When it comes to COVID-19, we can finally say we're making progress. Vaccinations are way up, and though it's still months away, we can finally sense an end in sight. But now another issue's blown up, and that's the situation at the southern border today, where as we've seen in years past, a surge of immigrants has tried to enter the United States illegally in addition to a flood of refugees, including thousands of unaccompanied children showing up to seek asylum. Yes, it's a situation we've dealt with for many years, but the latest surge at the border is the most serious crisis facing the new Biden administration. It's got us all wondering, what's really going on at the border? What's behind it? How's Joe Biden dealing with it? And what's the long-term solution? For answers today, we turn to a man who's been on the immigration front lines for years, former cabinet secretary under President Obama and former mayor of San Antonio, Texas, Julian Castro. Mr. Secretary, nice to talk to you again. Welcome to the Bill Press Pod. Hey, thanks for having me, Bill. It's good to be with you. All right. I hope everything's well in San Antonio. Let me start, Mr. Secretary. You know, uh, everybody's talking about this crisis now uh, at the border, from your perspective, and you've certainly been dealing with this issue for a long time. How do you see the situation uh, at the border today? How serious is it?
2: Well, look, we have uh, thousands of young people. Uh, children who do not have their parents with them, unaccompanied minors, uh, who have presented themselves at the border, who are now in federal government custody. So, there's, there's an urgency to make sure that these children who are in our custody are treated humanely, they're treated compassionately, that they're taken out of these uh, uh, CBP facilities that are very overcrowded. And, you know, as, as the Biden administration has said, These are no place, this is no place for uh, kids to live. Uh, And you want to find them relatives that usually live here in the United States and have them stay there while their asylum claim is adjudicated. Uh, So, you know, we we have to make sure that the people who are in our custody, who are seeking asylum, that they're treated with common sense and with compassion. And the Biden administration, I think, is doing a much, much better job, of course, than Donald Trump did there. And then you also have the issue of, well, we've seen migration like this. Uh, these high numbers of people coming from Central America several times in the last few years. People will remember 2014 under President Obama, 2019 under President Trump, and now in 2021 under President Biden. We have to get at the root cause of this. And that means uh, you know what I called for in my campaign was a 21st century Marshall Plan for Central America, so that you work with these countries in the Northern Triangle, so people can find safety, security, and opportunity at home instead of feeling compelled to make that dangerous journey to the southern border. And on that score, I also think that the Biden administration is uh, doing a good job walking down that path. When Biden was president, was vice president, uh, he led the effort to invest. $750 million in these Northern Triangle countries and strike uh, better partnerships, relationships with them and improve conditions there. They're trying to build on that now after Trump basically rolled that back in his administration. you know. So all in all, um, we're not where we need to be, uh, but what you see with the biden administration is a common sense approach a more compassionate approach and competence and so i'm confident that they can manage this i don't see it as i don't see this as something we just can't handle uh, or a crisis in the way that most people think of that it's not a national security crisis You know, if there's any crisis, it's a humanitarian one, and making sure that people treat are treated humanely. And then finally, Bill, I would say, I have never, never bought into the idea that a 16-year-old child or a family that is coming here seeking a better life is somehow a threat to this country, Um, a national security threat, an economic threat, or a cultural threat. But that's what the right wing has been selling for generations. And I think that as a country, we need to be big enough to call that out and to reject it.
1: I mean, just uh, the fact that you use the word, treat these uh, kids and and the others, uh, everyone coming humanely and with compassion. uh, Those two words are words we didn't hear under the last four years, correct? I mean, that in itself is a major difference in dealing with the problem.
2: Oh, it's night and day. Yeah. And, you know, I'm I'm very um, pleased that Joe Biden has said that, uh, you know, has said, we're not going to turn our back on these children. Um, you know, we're going to live up to our values. Donald Trump treated families, including little kids. People will remember that audio of the little girl crying for her father, uh, you know, in 2018. Uh, Those images, that image uh, of a little girl um, behind her mom, it looked like next to a police cruiser in the middle of the night, you know, with the floodlights on, looking lost and crying. Um, He treated these folks as less than human. He treated them cruelly in all of our names. And... You know, that's terrible in and of itself. It's also terrible because the whole thing didn't work. We, You know, he was committing cruelty with the idea, I suppose, that that was going to deter more families from coming. But that utterly failed, too. Uh, now, Biden is taking a more common sense approach of saying, no, look, you know, we're going to live up to our values as Americans and how we treat people, but we need to take a smarter Long-term approach, so that we don't see these patterns, you know, three years from now, five years from now, ten years from now. And the only way that you're going to get to that, you're going to do that, is getting at the root cause of creating safety and opportunity in those home countries.
1: Well, let's talk about that for a while. The root cause, I mean, because I think a lot of Americans um, have a hard time understanding. This is such a difficult journey. This is definitely not a guarantee that even if they get to the border, they'll get in. So people have a hard time understanding what is it that is driving these people to make that sacrifice and to make that decision uh, to come that tremendous distance on the odds of getting into the United States. You know, what's what's pushing them
2: here? Well, there are a number of, of conditions in these countries. Uh, uh, deep poverty. There's uh, gang violence, the threat of violence. You have many of them who say that they've been targeted uh, by uh, violent gangs over there. Sometimes it's uh scarcity, you know, the, as I said, the poverty uh, at different times, Central American migration has been influenced by conflict. So you have many different things that have, you know, compelled people to make that dangerous journey. And it is a dangerous journey. Um, You have people that die along the way, people that never make it to the southern border. And then even if they do, the vast, vast majority of people, even who are allowed into the United States to claim asylum, do not get to stay in the United States. And they certainly must know that through word of mouth from families and people that get sent back. So it tells you how desperate they must be to still make that journey, knowing that the chances are very slim that they're actually going to get to this land of opportunity and of freedom in the United States.
1: And there are also people, aren't there, that, that are in the business of of lying to them, basically, saying, That's hey, true. everything's changed. Yeah. Biden's a nice guy. Come on. You know, everybody's welcome now's the time to come and they're just taking advantage of people.
2: Yeah. I mean, there, there is a cottage industry, of coyotes, of people who make money trying to uh, smuggle folks uh, across the border. I mean, that's been true for a very long time, and of course, not only folks from uh, Central America, but from Mexico and from other places. Uh, and and they, but they've done that, you know, administra- one administration to the next, Republican and Democrat, uh, and they've lied to them when Trump was the, uh, you know, they're trying to make money, so they've lied to them about their chances yeah. when Trump was the president or when Obama. was as the president and and i'm sure they're lying to him now giving him this false hope that everything is going to be fine at the same time there's that genuine those genuine reasons why a a mom would pick up her eight-year-old kid and take that kid on this dangerous journey Uh, i mean any anybody would know right like if you can stay at home and have what you need there in your own land then you're probably going to stay at home you don't just take up on that journey for no good reason even if you have these coyotes suggesting that you could get in if people have what they need where they're at they're going to be there where where their home is nobody likes to just leave home um and so what we need to do in the long run is we need to work with uh honduras el salvador and guatemala so that uh, people can have greater safety and opportunity there at home. And, you know, recognizing that the United States has a checkered past in these countries. Uh, there's a lot of skepticism.
1: Uh, indeed. So, Mr. Secretary, you, it, well, first of all, in his in his news conference last week, uh, the president sort of joked about this, um, boy, they're not just coming here, don't, this isn't the first time, right? And they're not just coming here because I'm a nice guy. Uh, you also pointed out we had a surge at the border, under President Obama. We had a surge at the border under President Trump. We had a surge at the border under previous presidents. Do you think that the Biden administration um, maybe failed to um, anticipate this problem or realize it was coming and prepare for it?
2: Uh, There was a failure of the Trump administration in the the transition and the handoff. Uh, The Biden administration The Biden transition officials, for instance, uh, requested of uh, the Health and Human Services Secretary that they prepare more space for uh, additional migrants that were anticipated. And that request or that call by the HHS Secretary was not made until a week or two before biden took office very late Uh, on top of that there are court documents that show that the trump administration fully expected you know uh you know projected that we would see this quote unquote surge of migrants at this time because in part it is you know cyclical seasonal um yeah i'm sure if you asked Biden administration officials now look, you know, uh, if you had to go back three months ago, you know, what would you do differently? Is there anything you would do? There, there are always things that could be done, um, you know, with hindsight a little bit differently. But the main failure here was a, the failure of the Trump administration to successfully prepare during that transition uh, to stonewall the Biden folks, uh, to not give them information they needed. And because of that, We find ourselves playing catch-up right now.
1: Right. I think one thing, uh, Mr. Secretary, we've also discovered uh, is that... uh the big Trump fence is not as effective as he said it was, right?
2: Oh, I know. Yeah, I saw that picture about a week ago. Somebody cut the lower end, you know, they cut the lower end of those thick fence poles, but they're able to get right through, you know. It's It's just ridiculous, Bill. You know, we've been sold a bill of goods um, by the right wing to scare everybody about the the people that are coming here and also to create um, a siege mentality and to to put money into border protection methods like that fence or wall or whatever we want to call it that are fundamentally not effective. Uh, I believe that we need to make sure that, of course, we enforce our border. Every country is going to have a border, but I think there are smarter ways that we can do it You know, through the use of technology, through the right use of manpower, and certainly Through common sense and being smart, that's not what Trump was into. I mean, Trump was into ginning up his base, and the wall was more than just a physical thing, it was symbolic.
1: Well, you get us right to where I'd like to go next, Mr. Secretary, which is uh, what are some of the solutions and what should be working, what should we be working toward uh, in the Congress and also uh, in the states to deal with this situation? Uh, Let's get into that after we take a quick break here on the Bill Press Pod with the Secretary. Castro. And during the break here, we want to remind you about the important battle nationwide against these voter suppression efforts in so many states by so many Republican legislatures. The worst, of course, we saw in Georgia, where it's now a crime uh, to offer somebody a drink of water, somebody standing in line to vote to offer them a drink of water a bill that's been denounced by President Biden, by the head of Delta Airlines, by the head of Coca-Cola, and by many, many others. But this battle is taking place, as I say, in many states, not just in Georgia. It's something we've all got to be uh, not just aware of, but involved in to stop these voter suppression efforts. Best way to do so, sign up with Fair Fight. That's a great organization started in Georgia by Stacey Abrams. Their website FairFight.com. Check it out. Sign up. Join the fight to save democracy and save the right to vote for every American. FairFight.com.
0: What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.
1: Back on the Bill Press Pod, our guest today, former mayor of San Antonio, Texas, and former cabinet secretary under President Obama, secretary of HUD, Housing and Urban Development, uh, the Honorable Julian Castro. Uh, Mr. Secretary, again, so we, we heard a lot at one time about comprehensive immigration reform. Uh, is that still the answer, and is that still a possibility, what should it entail?
2: I think yes, on both counts. Uh, ultimately, we need to to fix this immigration system. It is broken. Uh, it's it's not serving our country well. It's certainly not serving all of those families uh, who uh, may be mixed status families. In other words, you know, maybe the children were born in the United States, but their parents uh, were undocumented. Our dreamers who are super talented and are already adding a lot to our country's forward progress, but they're still in limbo. We can address all of that and more through immigration reform, you know, comprehensive immigration reform. Uh, I'm, I'm pleased that the Biden administration has put that out there early in the administration. Uh, you know, We're talking about making sure that there's a path to citizenship for the undocumented immigrants who are here, including DREAMers, uh, ensuring that We reverse course on those cruel aspects of the Trump administration uh, and also that we're smart going forward, right? I believe that we need to harness the best talent from around the world uh, in addition to you know home growing our own talent here in the united states and that that's going to help us as a nation in the long run continue to lead in prosperity in the development of life-saving technology in just about every other way and also replenishing all of those values that uh, have made ours a special nation of love of country and um, you know, hard work and family and uh, loyalty and all of those things you find that in these immigrant communities
1: and that you mentioned the dreamers um, it does seem that we could start there, right I mean and that would be a big start, maybe just independently that uh, recognizing the, um, the the conditions that the dreamers have been through their life their life history that they 're basically Americans in every form except for the piece of paper uh and recognizing them and giving them the opportunity in the path of citizenship. Is that a good place to start?
2: Yeah, well, I think that that's probably the, um, I wouldn't call any of these things easy wins um, because they're not at all. But if, you you, you know, the Democrats uh, and the House of Representatives, I guess about a week or so ago passed two pieces of legislation, basically the DREAM Act and something called the Farm Workforce Modernization Act. Uh, people know the DREAM Act. The other one, the Farm Workforce Modernization Act, would extend a path to citizenship to these essential frontline workers, these farm workers and some family members who, during this pandemic, have really stepped up and made sure that we have food on our table. Uh, they've done that at risk to their own health and livelihood. Uh, so, yeah, we're kind of on a two-track system now. You know, On the one hand, trying to get a bigger immigration reform package done on the other hand also putting forward these two pieces of legislation that are some of the more popular elements especially the dream act within immigration reform
1: and when we, we start i want to come back to where you started talking about the and i think the one that impacts americans the most when they see the video of these kids at the border uh in these facilities where you know um they're they're too crowded. Um, they're just not the right living conditions. What is the best way to handle these kids? Are there enough even judges to take care of, um, review all of their, all of their cases? Uh, how, do you, how do you see moving forward? What would you do if you were sec- secretary or advising the president to deal with some 17,000 unaccompanied children now uh in these different facilities at the border.
2: Yeah, I mean Trump dismantled our ability to handle this kind of situation and that's a big part of the problem that Biden is playing catch up. And you put your finger on one of the problems is look, there's a glut there's a backlog of these cases in part because in part because of the slowdown during the pandemic, but some of that I think was was intentional, but we also don't have enough staffing, enough judges uh to adjudicate these asylum claims um, and all of the other legal issues that go with their cases sometimes in a swift manner. So we do need to invest. From top to bottom in the system, from judges, of course, we need to make sure that these kids are not staying in these Customs and Border Protection facilities. Those are the ones that people see on TV with people sleeping on the floor, you know, that what looks right. like tinfoil blankets and so forth. They're only supposed to stay there at most 72 hours, but we've had hundreds, maybe thousands now who have stayed there more than five days, more than 10 days. Everybody has said, look, this is unacceptable. Secretary Mayorkas has said that. The the president has uh, indicated that. So we need to invest in better accommodations for these kids uh, so that they can at least, you know, be comfortable and sleep on a bed. And usually the answer to that has been housing accommodations that are contracted out by Health and Human Services Office of Refugee Resettlement. These are often private contractors that run facilities, but those are a challenge too, you know? Uh, Those are not ideal for kids either. So ultimately you need to move them through this this process and get them into the hands of loving relatives who are here in the United States oftentimes those kids that are coming know who those relatives are and they give that information immediately to to CBP and it's just a it's a mm-hmm. process of vetting those folks finding them vetting them and then making sure that the child is is put in their custody as quickly as possible assuming that you know, everything checks out. We need to speed that up, frankly, because, you know, number one, that's where the child is going to feel the most comfortable. You're going to have people that are actually, you know, taking care of the kids. And, you know, it's, there are less resources involved in that than having to house thousands and thousands of kids in subpar facilities.
1: Is it possible that uh, some of those kids, we're talking about the unaccompanied minors now, will um, not be given asylum and will be sent back to their home
2: countries? I mean, historically, that's the case. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll need to go back and look at the numbers, but the vast majority, 80 uh, percent. And, you know, I could be wrong on that number, but it's the vast majority of people claim, claiming asylum, asking for asylum in our country are not granted asylum. And, you know, this is a point that really gets to me, Bill, because you know the right wing has created this idea that, and they have for years, that this country is somehow being overrun by, basically by these brown people coming from Latin America. And, you know, there are different parts of the immigration system, but these are folks who are claiming asylum. And for many years now, the rate of asylum claims that actually get approved has been fairly low. And so they go through this entire experience hoping that they're going to be able to stay in this great country. And ultimately, most of them don't get to stay here. But they still get, in the eyes of these folks, you know, they're still the problem. They're still invading the country or whatever it is. And there's just so much lack of truth. The right wing has sold uh, its base, this bill of goods. Over generations that the country is being run and overrun and culturally ruined uh, by, you know, you pick your your uh, country of origin. Right. I mean, we had the Chinese Exclusion Act and Japanese internment camps. Basically, in, in the late 20th and early 21st century, when it comes to these Central American migrants. The right wing has tried to convince people that now these are the folks who are overrunning the country and ruining things and taking your job and and um, changing the country culturally. And I mean, first of all, that's that's just not true. I mean, you. You speak to some of these folks and they love this country. They love the idea of this country. They want to be a part of this country. They want to contribute. And many of them already have and are contributing to how, how great our nation is. But when you talk about these kids here today who are seeking asylum, the fact is that a high percentage of them are going to have their asylum claim rejected if, if history holds up. Because most asylum claims are rejected. Now, what I believe we need to do is that we need to raise the number of refugees that we take in, which President Biden has already said that the administration is going to do, wants to do. Uh, And we need to raise the number of asylees that we take in. And then we need to put the 11 million undocumented immigrants uh, who have been here for a while, who have already been contributing positively to our country, put them on a pathway to citizenship. Uh, that's what I'd like to see done.
1: And you also, as you mentioned a, a little earlier, uh, think that the, that we have to recognize uh, the roots of the problem that exist in the Northern Triangle, Honduras and El Salvador and Guatemala. Uh, are those countries ready and willing to work with us uh, to improve the situation there? Mr. Secretary, what's your experience?
2: Well, I think that um, they're in... in I think some of those more than others, um, but we have a complicated history with those countries, right? I mean, the United States has been involved in Central America at different points. It's supported uh, various movements uh, and uh, military uh, interventions, political interventions. And so, you know, I, I certainly am no expert in the sentiment of the people there, but you know it strikes me that there's a skepticism about the united states uh, in some places that we need to work on we need to overcome and we can do that if we have leadership that is actually committed to doing it that's not a that's not a one year proposition a, even a five year proposition this is a long term effort that it's going to take to help build up more opportunity and more safety there but the good news is that Know, we we have seen that happen in different countries. Today, Colombia is a different nation than it was 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. 20 years ago, most of the people coming here uh, from the southern border were Mexican men, single men who were coming and then working and then sending money back to their family. And one of the reasons that... You don't see that as much anymore, that those numbers have dropped is because in many places in Mexico, there is more opportunity than there used to be. And, you know, in some places, more safety than there used to be, certainly not in all places, but it's a different landscape. So when when the fortunes of of folks change in their home country, then they don't feel as compelled to make that dangerous journey. And that just makes sense. So a lot of work to do in those Northern Triangle countries, skepticism, I think. You know, certainly some leaders that um, might not be on the poster for good government, uh, but but we need to commit ourselves to forge those relationships and really to take Latin America more seriously and make it more of a priority than we ever have before.
1: Yeah, uh, a very complex problem, Many, so many facets to it. Um, but Mr. Secretary, I think you and I can agree, at least we have an administration now that recognizes uh, the many dimensions of the problem uh, and is working in a humane and compassionate and effective way to uh, resolve problems there at the border. And that in itself uh, makes a big difference. Before we let you go, so what's next? I mean, the mayor, cabinet secretary, what a uh, presidential mm-hmm. candidate? What's next for Julian Castro?
2: <laughs> oh, you know, I'm I'm always going to use my voice in any way that I can to to support uh, great candidates. We have People First Future, and you know, we're looking at supporting folks running mostly for local and some state offices this year, since it's an, it's an off year, and then into next year. But I'm um, Doing my podcast, Our America, and uh, sitting on boards. And during the day, uh, managing one child, one kid's uh, remote learning. My six-year-old already went back to school uh, in class, but my 12-year-old Karina is still here. She can pretty much do it on her own, though. So uh, I feel a little bit more free these days.
1: It sounds like you have a lot on your plate. And we're also, of course, counting on you and your brother and... uh other Beethoven Rourke and others there in the, um, in the goal that all of us have been seeking for a long time of turning Texas blue again.
2: That's it's headed in that right? direction. Yeah, absolutely. It is headed in that direction and through the efforts of a lot of folks, you know, and Beto's doing great work and people like uh, County Judge Lena Hidalgo out there yeah. in Harris County and just a number of other people It is is headed in that direction. It's heading in that direction, not soon enough.
1: (laughs) (laughs) True, true. All right, Julian Castro, thank you so much for joining us today on the Bill Press Pod. We'll talk again soon.
2: Okay, thanks, Bill.
1: And that's it for today's podcast with Secretary Julian Castro. The immigration problems are not going away. We'll keep on top of it and no doubt talk about it again here on the Bill Press Pod. Until the next time, please take care of yourself, stay strong, stay safe. Wear that mask, practice that social distancing, it ain't over yet. And we'll see you, we'll be looking for you on the next edition of the Bill Press Pod.